We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Phoenix Taxis and Coaches. To book online, please visit www.phoenixtaxis.net. to True Faith Weekly Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, joined by Ben Wade and Michael Crean this week. Just the three of you. Hello, lads. Hello. Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm champion, thanks. This week we're obviously going to be talking about Newcastle's draw with Chelsea and another action-packed and fairly decent weekend of Premier League's football. Uh, we'll, Mike will chat us through the talking points. Some notices first, as usual. Uh, me and Michael Martin this week, uh, editor of True Faith, will be doing a special podcast with uh, Tony Higgins, True Faith writer for a number of years who presides in Spain. He has a new um, e-book out called Homage to Mercia, all about um, the, his local football club in the fifth tier of Spanish football. It's an excellent read. I'm reading it now and we'll be speaking to Tony and, and really talking about the difference between a life and football in Spain and particularly that movement because, um, you know, Mercia, I don't know the, the exact name, I should know it. Uh, they're, a, they're, they're almost like an MK Don's product in that a club was moved. Um, so, so uh they set up a new club back in 2007. You know, if Tony's listening to this, he's probably tearing his hair out. But yeah, we're going <laughs> to we're going to go through the podcast. We'll talk through the book, and it's going to be a really interesting look at uh, football in in a different part of the world. Mike, who's with us, knows a lot about football in that part of the world. Living there for a year, Mike. Where was it you lived? Uh, I was uh, down in Cadiz, so I um, uh, when I was I was living there about five years ago, just so they'd been relegated from La Liga. And uh, they probably got relegated again, but I did get to see Diego Tristan, a very overweight Diego Tristan, Tristan turn out every now and then for a few minutes, so, was, so was, it was well worth it. Was that too late for Chino Samba? Or, uh... <laughs> it, it was far too late. For, uh, <laughs> <laughs> any I, I knew it was, I just wanted to get him in there, uh, Chapman Legend. <laughs> well, speaking of special podcasts, obviously you can catch the usual ones on our SoundCloud page, TF Weekly Pod, please give us a follow. Same, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, special podcasts also include chats with George Colgan about Newcastle's transfer window activity in the summer. The podcast we do with them becomes more and more relevant with every defeat. 
Luke Edwards of The Telegraph talks us through uh, the media partnership Newcastle have with certain outlets and also talks about his ban in the club in general. Really interesting chat. Martin Hardy talks to us about his book, Touching Distance. Excellent listen. Please listen to it. Please read the book. It's the best book I've read in years on anything, really. And I'm really, really pleased to announce we'll have another podcast lined up with Martin in November where we'll be talking um, exclusively about the 95-96 season. Martin obviously be able to draw on a lot of football knowledge anyway, but interviews with nearly every single key member of that squad. So if you want to get in touch with any questions, I'll keep plugging it every week, uh, and you know we'll make sure Martin addresses them on the podcast. Finally, or nearly finally, before we actually get talking on uh, to the match, I know, penultimately, um, we'll have the radio show on Friday, Radio Northumberland, live between 7 and 8. It's normally a look back at what's happened through the week and a look ahead to the weekend's fixtures. Michael Martin joined us this week on the phone. If you're listening to this now and would like to come on to chat with chat with us on live radio online, please get in touch. DM us on Twitter, email uh, True Faith. It's not kind of a t- typical radio talk show where we'll have you on for a couple of minutes. We're happy to hear any views. And because we kind of get sick of talking to each other every week, just the three of us, the four of us, <laughs> we may as well get some other opinions. So let us know if you want to come on the radio show. Anyone is welcome, as long as you don't fucking swear, because it's the radio. <laughs> Finally, before we move on, uh, we're fortunate to have the first uh, TF Weekly Pod blog on the True Faith website, www.true-faith.co.uk. Um, my weekly blog will be on the winners and losers, three up, three down of the Premier League's action. Uh, Mike is going to be very kindly doing a one on what the managers have been saying uh, from the weekend's games in the press conferences and hopefully maybe Ben will get involved if he can be bothered at some point yeah I doubt that we'll see (laughs) Ben (laughs) Newcastle Chelsea why was it so much better Um, I think we talked about it on Friday for those that uh, listened Um, I was really hoping that uh, a lot has been made about the formation Uh, we've spoken in great detail about it, um, this much maligned four two three one um, that he's just been sticking with, and it's it's just not been working. Um, the players don't appear to sort of know what the rules were within it, and I think that was um, sort of really um, limiting a lot of players' ability in terms of like uh, sort of their output. So Wijnaldum, for example, <laughs> a lot of people were questioning his type of signing um, just because he he didn't look. Um, particularly good in that formation but the, the 4-4-2 it just got us up the pitch I think a lot of it as well um, has to do with the players that came back in um, it wasn't just the formation because I think had you gone 4-4-2 with a Cissé for example instead of Mitrovic I don't think it would have been as effective but just having a target man it was like having Carroll back in a few years ago in the good old days where <laughs> even though we had a far sort of um poor at side in terms of the, the ability you always had that outlet where you would just hold the ball up and he got you up into the final third of the pitch where teams don't want to play um, and Mitrovic just gave with that outlet all game Perez was absolutely brilliant off him I mean that that was a hell of a performance from him I thought oh, I he was um, he, he just looked at a different class like I would say he, he probably wouldn't have looked out a place in their squad yeah. considering all of the money they've spent and the <laughs> the hundreds of millions have spent on that squad a two, pound, two million pound player from Tenerife wouldn't have looked out a place in, in their team I think um, and a lot of that was just the fact that they were willing to, to push on on forward we had two wingers that were okay Sissoko wasn't it wasn't his most effective game but when you them on the left I thought it was getting down the down the wing um, everybody knows about Ivanovic's sort of 
poor start of the season. Um, and it was just it was there to be to, to have a go at and attack. And I thought Wijnaldum did a brilliant job of that. Um, the midfield, I thought, were controlled at first half. Um, I mean, Fabregas and um, it was Matic, wasn't it, I think? Um, just Fabregas, Matic, Trinoska. Trinoska, yeah. yeah. Just didn't, couldn't, didn't really get in the game, I didn't think. Um, just, we, we were just, the, the effort was there. The players looked like they, they knew what they were doing. Um, there was always options. Yeah. People were will, looking for the ball and were willing to, to get on it and have a go and, and run at players. Because they were getting in situations where they were either one on one or or they had an overlap, and there was just a lot more intent from the team. And I think <laughs> a lot of that just comes from the fact that, that they knew what they were doing. We got back to basics of the four four two. We just let the defenders defend, and I thought Mbabu should get a special mention. I mean, what is he seventeen eighteen? I think. Um, Might be a little older than that, but yeah, he's not. He's not. But a, he's, he's still a young lad. His first ever start and flipping act. What a game he had um, against Pedro and, and Hazard over to a the most sort of electric players and electrifying players in the league. Um he he didn't he didn't put a foot wrong, I didn't think. Um and it was just it was just a really encouraging performance. Twenty one this year, next year. 21. So twenty you now, twenty one next year. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you've said. Pick up on a couple of things. Wijnaldum left midfield, oh my god, he actually looked like he was part of the team. Yeah. He showed some brilliant flashes so far. Really good header. I know it was terrible by Fabregas mm-hmm. to, to to lose him. But a you know perfect header so right. What is it he was five five for eight or something? Oh, he's a bit taller than that, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's quite tall. But um, like you know that that header, you had to stoop down. It wasn't like a metamorphic <laughs> square in the head. Is that an uh, Adam Armstrong moment? He's five foot one. Uh, Alan <laughs> Mickey back in there. Yeah, Adam Armstrong's literally a midget, <laughs> like a medical midget. Um, um, but yeah, when on the left works so well. I thought him and what impressed me about Mbappe. Someone tried to take me up on this on Twitter. Um, He's just hard and fast. Like, and someone's like, oh, he's not that fast. And I don't mean fast as in he's rapid over 20 yards, mm-hmm. but he gives people absolutely no time in the ball. So you see yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. defenders, I'm thinking Danny Simpson here, yeah, but, yeah. but Haidara started doing it, you back off, you back off. Mm-hmm. Every time a Chelsea player got the ball, he was it's, on them. He was decisive. He, was just, decisive. Get, he just gets into them straight yeah, away. Yeah. Like, and it's, 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 it's kind of speed of thought. Is He makes a decision, he's straight in, he, you know. People are obviously very impressed. There's a long way to go. Oh, yeah. He was totally caught out of position twice, and once it led Pedro should have scored. Yeah. Um, Pedro was very quiet throughout the game, but he was. It looks really promising. All we want is competition for places. Him, Hydar, gets a lot of stick for Newcastle. I, I think he's just a young lad still. He's finding his way, and you know people laugh at me on Twitter when I say he's really good going forwards. But mm-hmm. God, has he got a, a fantastic left foot when he's running. At pace, yeah, 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 fair enough. If he's if he's standing station with the ball with mm-hmm. anyone moving, yeah, he puts the odd shite ball in. But he's, he's got pace though, where he can beat. He can't yeah. beat a man. How many times do you see him get to the yeah. byline and get? It's a like that. That pace of a five or ten yards rather than traditional yeah. like Theo Walcott type pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it'd be good to see some competition. Bember and Colaccini look miles better without you know Colback and Anita getting in the yeah, way. Yeah. And Maybe I, I talked. I talked in the True Faith match report, which I did, which is online about the responsibility both of them managed to take. They were like, this is our area, we're in charge. Whereas if you look at that goal against um, Watford, when everyone's kind of criticised Colaccini for not jumping with Dini, mm-hmm. it's because Anita's like two or three yards in front of him. I think Colaccini thinks Anita's going to come in come get that, and tackle yeah. from the front. He doesn't. And it, obviously it makes him look really, really bad. But those guys had responsibility that had you know clear, defined roles as centre-backs. Like, you're in charge of anything in front of you. We're not, yeah. You're not relying on defensive yeah. midfielders sweeping up. Callback was a revelation. Someone on Twitter still disagreed with me, said he's shite, but 
when Colbach and Nita, but Colbach especially isn't playing five yards in front of the back four. I think he's one of the best settlement fields in the Premier League. I know that's a bit of a claim, but he never wasted a single ball. Mm-hmm. He was into Chelsea. He, he hassled them. He played some fantastic stuff. And actually, I know it was only 1-0 when he went off, but but losing Colbach just before half-time for, or at half-time for Obertan, and Obertan didn't do anything wrong, was a massive blow because it meant when, when Yeldon had to move back inside, so we lost his effectiveness on the left, yeah, yeah. and we lost one of our best players. So I think massive, I think if, Kolb, if Kolbach stays in that the pitch, we could have won 2 or 3-0. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Mitrovic, you've talked about, what a partnership. Mitrovic and Perez have played twice together this season against Manu and Chelsea, mm-hmm. who should have won both games, yeah, yeah, yeah. and both you know caused them all sorts of problems. Mitrovic was fouled nine times in the game. Yeah, I saw that start. Yeah, the next most fouled player was was two. <laughs> so Chelsea obviously tried to target him, and he's he's done very well. I thought the ref did absolutely nothing for Atkinson. He was all right. I, I, I still I've, gave him an eight though. I saw in your match report that was Mick Martin. Oh, was it? I did the right? match report, and he's, he's tagged <laughs> stuff on. I, I read I read the thing, and you were having to go at Atkinson, and then I saw you gave him an eight. I was like, how does that work? <laughs> well, I, I didn't think I didn't think Sissoko's foul on William was a foul. I think he's very tight in him. And he's possibly got. He's probably touching him, mm-hmm. but William loses the ball regardless, and just and and, and and kind of like he didn't even go down. He just shouts at the ref and gets a free kick. And Chelsea would do that absolutely loads in the second half. We were just claiming for stuff. Yeah. The ref wasn't going to give anything. A Chelsea player would stop running, throw his arms in the air, get a free kick, and yeah. did me fucking head in. And Nita played well, and yeah, all over the pitch it was really positive. McLaren again subs. Mm. Like the setup was good. Like Mitrovic was was blowing, so yeah, like that's yeah, fine. I, but, exactly. to, but Tony, you know, Tony lost Ramirez. For yeah. The yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it's had a massive impact there. I'd have brought De Jong on. And I know De Jong did come on, but I'd have brought De Jong on for Mitrovic. <laughs> it's, I'll just, and then Mitrovic, then De Jong would have been picking up Ramirez. I don't yeah, think he would yeah. let him go for that for that second goal. If, if he was still standing. Yeah. You compare it's just one of them things we're gonna go on about it for the rest of the season, but if you compare to that that what Ramirez to De Jong, mm-hmm. who didn't get a free kick, yeah, yeah. who literally had his head taken off <laughs> to Mitrovic's red card, and you think, where's the dangerous play there? Yeah, like, it's no, absolutely level. Uh, but o- overall really, really positive and it's just uh, it would have been so good to win the game with get the first win with City mm-hmm. next week. We're getting cut off a little bit at the bottom. Um City away next week I know City are in terrible form we'll probably touch on them later but you'd, you'd be happy with a point again before, <laughs> oh, I'd snap, snap the hand yeah, off the before point. two massive games against Norwich and Sunderland um, do you want to take it for Sunderland? you are sorry do you want to take it for Sunderland? Uh, we'll discuss after alright okay. <laughs> most people just be say yes <laughs> well I do yeah well you can have one since you're since fellow season ticket holder crack in um yeah, if, 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 those of you listening, the tickets for corporate unfortunately went on sale today. <laughs> so I've snaked four, um, and I've obviously, I've got me two season tickets. So there'll be six of TF Whitney Pod at the dot of the away derby. Um, Mike Chelsea, uh, Jose Mourinho after the game said that Newcastle are indicative of a typical team that win absolutely nothing in that they sweat blood and tears when it suits them against the big teams in front of the cameras and don't try against the smaller teams, aka Watford last week. Ignoring this game for the moment, do you think? Well, you, and then you can come on to this exact match and why Mourinho would say something like that. In keeping with his other comments, um, do you think he's correct? Well, uh, I think especially at the moment, given uh, everything he's up against, you have to take everything he says with a fair old dollop of salt at the moment, don't you? Um, if you just look at it objectively, how? Teams win the league because they win the large majority of games that they play. And how many times do top teams absolutely steamroller the rest of the league? And I think it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty disingenuous, um, but it's not at all surprising, is it? it that that's his shtick. 
he's uh, he's uh, under a lot of pressure at the moment. Chelsea struggling in the foot, not too far off yourselves at the moment. Um, <laughs> and, and it, it doesn't surprise me, but he could say something completely different the next week. He could, he could give te- a similar sized team a load of credit if they beat him. Um, it, it, it's just Mourinho, isn't it? You don't know from one week to the next what he's going to say. Um, but I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get my, my knickers in too much of a twist over that. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, and as some Newcastle fans have, but I mean a lot of a lot of the the establishment have totally backed what he said. But it's it's too simple an analysis to say Newcastle tried hard against uh, Chelsea and didn't against Watford. I mean the the reason Newcastle could have tried as hard as they want playing the same terrible four two three one formation with Cesar from by himself was it still got beat comfortably. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with it. I mean obviously the application of a of a system by players that they believe in and that they understand is going to come across far better. Than one that they don't, and I, I think I've said it numerous times in the podcast and radio show this season and in print. In true faith, uh, the players in that four-two-three-one formation have no idea what they're doing. I just think as well they don't get in the in the positions. Like Perez was picking the ball up in in the final third a hell of a lot of the time, and he was carrying the ball and running yeah. at their defence, who obviously look a bit shaky at the minute, and that's what you want. You don't want him picking the ball up. 50 yards away from goal on the right wing and having to like do that run where he's got to run through about six players before he gets anywhere like it's just it's just it's simple football um you you just put players in a position to to, to do well to succeed and I think that's all it was um I think Mourinho and as he said the media have just completely taken all credit away from Newcastle where were one hundred percent deserve deserve something. Yeah, you, you, we've been slated and slated every game this season. Apparently, rightfully. Apparently, sorry. Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher have been at it again tonight on Monday Night Football, but I haven't seen it. Same what Slayton? Slayton Newcastle. It's possibly. just I, I just don't possibly get it. For possibly with the line Mourinho was saying, I don't know, but but so I mean, what what do you expect? Like, so what what do they want with today? To get beat by Chelsea as exactly. well. Do you know what I mean? Like. Should we have just rolled over and given them three points? They've been having a go at it because we've we've been rubbish against some average teams this season. Um, we've finally turned up to a game and we're getting we're not getting any credit. It's just a joke. But um, the I mean, it, it, we we said on Friday. I was I was thinking it's a bit worrying when we've got so much relying on on Mitrovic, a twenty year old. But that sort of performance, he showed a lot of maturity. He didn't react to any. Of the as you said, he fouled nine times. He didn't react yeah. once. Um, he was working hard. He was back. I've seen a couple of people um, sharing some vine where where he, he came back into his own box and shepherded the ball out against Oscar. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He uh, you've said I think a number of times um, in terms of defensively, like C says a liability. Yeah. But we've been crying out for just a strike, a, a big tall man who can go <laughs> back. <laughs> It's not Mike Williamson. I was going to say I'm available. <laughs> just a, a big, tall striker, just to go back and help out with like with with the defenders. And he doesn't have to man mark someone; just put them in a position. Krull was putting him as he's sort of like his guard on yeah, the six yard yeah. box to to get to get up and win the headers. <laughs> it's a hell of a lot easier when you've got someone in there that's willing to go up and challenge the ball, as opposed to a CC who just doesn't want any of it and is is literally wasted. In you're a man down in a defensive position. Speaking of Krull, two of the best saves of his career, both offside. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so both were unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable saves. Brilliant saves. Uh, I've just made some points here as well. I love the fact that, again, it was on Sky, rather than slate Chelsea's centre-back pairing of Cahill and Zuma, it was, you know, when, when they basically, I think it was um, Zuma and Ivanovic, 
for Perez's goal. It wasn't like that's really poor defending. Of Mourinho being happy it was off. Chelsea will have one or two questions to ask about that goal. Just really like non-committal, not wanting to slag anyone off. Goff Crooks <laughs> picked his team of the week on BBC this week with a 3-3-3-1 formation. <laughs> Unusual. That's brilliant. Playing three at the back with no wing-backs. Um, he picked Mbabu as a centre-back. Fair enough, I, I get where he's coming from. He picked Kurt Zuma, who had a nightmare. Walker, who might have played well against um, City, Monty. but directly contributed. Dave on the first goal. I know there's a lot to do. Ramirez, fair enough, he came on and, and did well. Coutinho did well. Dia, and then he's got Harry Kane playing in the number 10, Sanchez Storage, <laughs> and Matt. I thought that was quite strange. And in addition, um, have you seen Mitrovic from a score? He's yeah. a danger to himself and others. He, he grabbed Perez's head by the hair, like put his hands on oh, his head and started like shaking it about. <laughs> like everyone's like, get off, calm down. He was absolutely nuts. Imagine what he'd be like when he scores. He clearly absolutely loves the tune though. It was what, the, what it was the um, Perez's goal. He basically does like some sort of like body to body slam, like sort of wrestling move on him as well. Yeah. You probably didn't see this but on the telly just before off time. McLaren had his tactics board out. And it was just such an old school, like, loads of little magnets with an arrow <laughs> going. It's like, mate, someone tell him that you can do the same thing on an iPad, and yeah. then it'll already be on the big screen. <laughs> right? So imagine on this little tiny one, he has to go and make the same one oh, and, yeah. on, it, on the inside, so he's not exactly the uh, tech Aye, savvy. Neil no one's going to be hacking into his, <laughs> uh, his, his whiteboard, though, whether to steal his ideas. So. Exactly. Definitely. I think that's just about it for Newcastle this week. Obviously, a really pro- promising performance I've so good that we didn't get the three points. Uh, it would have been such a boost, and obviously it would have been my fourth straight win at home against Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we're, we remain the only Premier League ground apart from the Emirates, who is the Mourinho's never won at in yeah, both spells. That's class. Uh, we'll keep that going for another year. For another year too. And yeah, promising signs. I was going to say it's, it's just given we're fresh belief, hasn't it? it? I mean, I was so low after last week. Yeah. Um, just obviously the. We were at Swansea, the Watford yeah. game, West, West Ham, Ham, and Sheffield Wed in the week was just a terrible, terrible run of performances. We're finally like showing up, and at least the players look like they've got a bit of fight about them. And I think there's a, I've seen enough in a few of the games. I think we've talked about there was a good application in the Arsenal game in the the Man yeah. U game, um, but this this was the first real game we've we've actually got forward and, yeah, and looked dangerous. Position, yeah. yeah, so I'm 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 confident if he if he sticks with this, there's no guarantee he will. But if he sticks with us, we'll, we'll do well. Guess who had the most shots in target for Newcastle in the match? Daryl Yamat. Daryl Yamat, of course. Shock, <laughs> this week, it would have taken a break from the much-loved, world-famous Doggers game. I know everyone listening will be good at about that, but with just Mike and Ben here, I didn't want to embarrass them both by leading uh, you know, leading to a lengthy silence on the podcast. I, I think it would have probably been more the case of your recent attempt <laughs> when we would have got it straight away and it would have been well, I've had, I've had bl- a, saving your blushes. Especially with Simon Mickey's attempts in recent weeks. I've had a dumb down Doggers game, so it'll be back to highbrow stuff next week. So, lads, here we go. Doggers challenge. And I'm only going to give you one <laughs> guess at each. One guess. I feel like we need some, like, sort of, like, diddly-diddly, yeah. like, Doggers so, challenge. I'm going to let Ben, you're going to go first. Right. And then Mike's going to go first, but second. But I'll tell you how to do it. So you've both got two chances. <laughs> Ben's going to go first, and I'm going to go first. You'll, you'll <laughs> see how it works. Here we go. For without, the second round. Without further ado, that's for you, Mickey. Which English league sides are the furthest north, east, south, and west? Ben, I'll give you north first. Football league, did you say? Sorry. Football league, the northernmost English team. 
Um, Hurry up. <laughs> is it Newcastle? Newcastle is correct. So 1-0 yeah. to Ben. Mike, East. The furthest East yeah. um, would probably be Norwich, wouldn't it? Correct. One each. Ben, the furthest South. South. Is it Portsmouth? Incorrect. Mike? Furthest South? Yeah. Um, I will say Exeter. Incorrect. The answer is Plymouth. Oh, oh sure. And Ben, oh, lads, first, first one to shout out, one answer each. The furthest west. Chester. Incorrect. To over to Ben. It's going to be... Um, is it Torquay? The answer is also Plymouth. Also oh, Plymouth. Plymouth. I was going to say to oh, right, someone down... He's not know where Plymouth is. It's like I, I know, but I thought there might be one further... Further east. Uh, west, even. Oh, well. One uh, one point to each of you. So oh, we'll have a tiebreaker. And if you if you's, if you's don't get this, then you'll just try. What's what's the most central? Which yeah. six Dutchmen have scored Premier League hat tricks? Ben, I'm going to give you. Th- Sorry, Mike, come to you first. I'll give you three. Go for it. Three, please. What three Dutchmen that have scored Premier yeah. League hat tricks? Yeah. Hang on. Um, you get your three Matt as well. Mr. Roy. Yeah. Van Persie. Yeah. And Burkham. Correct. You went first last time, Ben. Right. Um... Patrick Clivert, I've got one. Fox was at the first at the first hurdle. Uh, he could have gone for Jimmy Van, Floyd Hasselbank. Van Hoydonk, did he nope. go on? Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Mark Overmars, and who's the third one? Overmars. Who's the third one? Six one, lads. Tried to play Newcastle nearly signed him. Dirk out. Dirk so Mike out. takes this week's. Yeah, well, that's, that's doing it to sing. Like obviously he picked he the got, three biggest. Mike, Dutchman. did he get a hat trick? He got a hat trick against Man U at home. <laughs> um, yeah, a th- <laughs> yeah a three one pr- prolific. A three one win. Very that well. was Douglas Trans this week. Well done, to Mike Champion for another week. Ridiculous. It was a fix. Mike, talk to me <laughs> about Sunderland. Yeah. Well, it's. Uh... It's uh, as depressed as you might be with Newcastle at the moment. I think it's probably, if we, if we take an objective view, just a little bit worse looking at Sunderland. Was, uh, just writing up my notes, actually, before before the pod on the way in for work, and I was trying to type down Barini, but my phone kept auto-correcting it. No matter how many times I wrote it down, it was boring. And I think that pretty much, sum, pretty much sums it up, really, I think, for them. Um, but aside from the, the obvious and, uh, and what exactly was going on the pitch and the manager's, Seems to me there's 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 an awful lot more um, than than just individual managers making errors, um, which have been plenty of over the last few years. But um, reading Advocate's um, comments after the game in in, in, in one of the papers today, um, he, he he was being asked about the formation and whether they've got the right players in to fit that formation over the summer, and he he just said no, we we just bought the players who are available <laughs> as if. There, there, there was no sort of coherent plan, you know, as if they went out, right, I want a bacon omelette, so get me some potatoes, bacon <laughs> and some rice. <laughs> bacon omelette, like that. It, it just seems that there's, that, that there's been no sort of, of plan there. From... Oh, what a quote, Mike. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't catch that, I assume you were, you were cracking up at that, that, that awful analogy. We were, just where did, how, like, how long did it take you to come up with that? <laughs> 
It sounded like about 30 yeah, seconds. It was straight potatoes, the top of your head. bacon and rice sounds like a reasonable meal to me anyway, so if they did turn it <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be too good. <laughs> but, yeah, Mike, I think you're spot on. And what's, what's really interesting, actually, I've just had uh, this is live pod interaction. Greg O'Grady at Greg Loves the Tune. Um, tweet in. Cheers, Greg. Appreciate it. He's actually showed us the relegation odds. For the season, he's got favourites to go down with uh, our two other favourite clubs. Going to be a long season, and he's obviously got Sunderland and Vale. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is Sunderland obviously one point below us, and not, not both haven't won mm-hmm. yet. Where evens, Sunderland are as short as one to seven Flavorous. with the bookies. So the bookies are just like they've gone. You know, Mike, I'm pleased you brought this up because it refers back to my um, blog today, three up, three down. Uh, have, have a read of it if you're listening on the, the True Faith website, where I've basically said. Compared to Newcastle, Newcastle have had promising performances across the season. There was the defeat against Arsenal, the draw at Man United, which could have won, and obviously we should have beat Chelsea, regardless of how. As well. And obviously we played very well, could have beaten Southampton, could have lost as well, but they're all four very good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you can point to that, yes, we should be more consistent, yes, we should do better against the lower teams, but at least at least the team can compete in that level, and you'd hope if we've got a bit of consistency. Sunderland have got nothing to draw on so far this season. They got a draw, a draw against Swansea. Swansea battered them. Swansea at one 0 hit the inside of the post. If that goes in, mm-hmm. that, that they get they lose that game four or five 0 I'm convinced because that's what Sunderland do. Mm-hmm. They drew away at Vile, who are terrible, who are like really bad. Um, there's just like you say, there's nothing to go for, and it, it comes back to the question, Mike. I'll ask you. I would given just... advocate, sorry, Ben, given advocate the job for one year. Could, can you see that? Can you see? Could you see any logic behind that? Because for a club that's been in in constant, you know, managerial changes like no one else in the Premier League for years now, was one year really the answer? Well, it's the, it's the same approach as they, they've taken their players, isn't it? When you, yeah, as, as we were touching upon, if you look at the the lack of strategy behind the, the transfer dealing, so that they haven't brought any players that that fit into the the or say style, but the formation that the, the the manager clearly wants to play seems absolutely ludicrous. But then that same attitude, that same approach, seems used for for hiring managers and not just advocate, but consistently over the last few. So if we look at exactly the same pattern, um, De Canio, Poyet, and Advocate have all come in. Um, partway through a season and, and saved Sunderland from relegation and, and then immediately got got another season afterwards and, and it's completely different mind game it, it, it's like they think oh we've done a job now we'll just give it to them and it, it'll be fine it's a completely different um, kettle of fish approaching a season um, with a full pre-season and, and you're coming in as, as total control as a manager than it is coming in after things have begun arse over tip and you're something fresh and something different to change it around and, it, and it, it's just another example it seems that that those at the the top level bringing people in and actually in charge of I'd say strategy but it doesn't seem that like, like there is one at all um, that there's something seriously wrong there they just seem to be playing at, at running a Premier League club and, and keeping their fingers crossed and I think surely this season, um, their, their luck's going to run out because it, there's only so many times that you can you can rely on on teams being even worse than you. It's just it's mental that just how as you said there, just how short short sighted they are, how short term. Okay, Avocat was brought in literally as like the last straw. It was like they panicked, they needed to get a change in, and I don't even know where they plucked him from. Um, <laughs> like, did a terrible job at Serbia. Um, and but but came in and did the job for them. 
obviously, like he said, he wasn't going to come back. That they should have, they should have, like when they got him in, and he said it from the start he wasn't coming in. They should have been spent all the end of the season looking for his replacement, not relying on it. What is it? Is he? Any, he must be nearly seventies or something. Yeah, Ancient. He's not. Someone. He's not going to be around forever. And it's the same with the, the types of players. Yeah. You're gonna die. <laughs> but no. But as a, as a manager or a person. Just obviously as a manager, like he's he's getting on a bit. Like it's the pressures of Premier League football take the toll on a, a far younger and fitter lads than Dick Advocat. Um, and it's just, I think it's just massively short-sighted. And you see that in their their, their transfer policy as well. I mean, the, the core team of their players are all over the hill like very average players that were signed on short contracts that just come in and, and make an immediate impact but there was no long-term sort of goal, goal for them. I mean, you look at a team they're relying on O'Shea um, still massively because Quartes and Kabul that they brought in are awful. Who <laughs> he seems to be his, his first choice. Yeah, advice. exactly. And they are shocking. Um, I mean, Kabul's not even... even yet. He was over wrong side of 30. You've got Jermaine Defoe who pied off professional football basically a couple of years ago to go and have his retirement start his retirement fund in America and they've, they've brought him back to Sunderland uh, carry it on for a ridiculous amount of money but he's he must be 33 or something is he get, he's, oh, yeah, he's think, getting on we'll have to move on because we could, yeah. could spend a whole hour but it's just really it's just so short sighted like and is until they get out of that cycle they're constantly going to be in the same position every year and as you say they can't keep getting away with it Man United Mike Sunderland's victors Want to talk to us a little bit about them? Oh, well, I, I thought I was going to leave most of it to you because I'll, I'll keep it quickly because I know you want to go to town on, on Van Hal and, and what a cracking job he's doing at the moment. But huh? uh, it's uh, you can't get away from the fact they are top of the league, albeit we look at the other teams in the, at the top of the Premier League and there have been plenty of shockers going around, certainly in recent weeks with, with Man City and Chelsea and, uh, and Arsenal before that. But Facts are facts. They are they are top. Um, a lot of that seems to be Tomash at the moment. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> that, that pace. If you, if you look again at that Sunderland game, uh, um, they scored just on a stroke of half. Very one paced. Um, again, very pedestrian up until that point um, where they got the goal. Um, you, you look at the, the midfield three they started with. Sunderland at home. They had Schweinsteiger, Carrick, and Schneidlin. Now, I can't see good players as they are. I can't see any of those three centre mids ever breaking a line or getting beyond a striker. And I think without the likes of a Herrera, who Van Hull doesn't seem to fancy at all, United can get themselves into a lot of trouble as they could have done in the first half, even against Sunderland, with just being so pedestrian at one pace and just keeping a ball for the sake of it and having you know no real drive to them. I think... Later on in the season, certainly again against other teams, they they could find themselves under a bit of pressure. Obviously, now bringing Martial in, he stretches teams as as you need to do as a number nine in, in when when your team's playing that sort of tight football. Um, but but if he's not there, you, you I, I can't I can't see them um, making a concerted challenge for the title. Aside from the fact that they, they still have defensive frailties, but. Um, Facts are facts. They are top of the league. Um, I don't think of lost, but um, uh, Dodgy, I, I know you're you're going to uh, to sing the praises of, of LVG. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll give you a shot of that now as well. Well, you, you've just said it for me, mate. I couldn't have said it better better to you. You've just said you don't think Man United have a 
shot at winning the league. It's only about £350 million he spent. If he hasn't got a bloody shot at winning the league now, <laughs> when are they going to have a chance? I Martial's a 19-year-old. He's not going to be this good. He's been sensational, but he's not going to be this good all season. You can't rely on a 19-year-old to prop your season up. Well, we're relying on a twenty-year-old, but still. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're, we want to avoid relegation, <laughs> like, and just, just you know, yes, they are, they are sort of the league. Yes, the half had an, outre- an outrageously easy, easy fixture list to date. I'll just say this: the next three games are Arsenal away, Everton at Everton away, City at home. Come back to us, see at the top of the league, Mike. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, it, although there is there is quite a big part of me now wanting them to uh, to get seven or nine points out of that game. Let's so, <laughs> uh, uh, see what you got to say. That, but I, I agree. I, I think Arsenal by rights should should do them at, at the Emirates. Everton away is a, is a tricky game at the moment. Everton in great form, and, and then obviously City um, have, have got it in a locker to, to tear teams apart. Um, and, and I think certainly, I, I think that. That back line will still be vulnerable. I know they've improved in the smallings growing into his role, but essentially the, it's a bit bit makeshift blend in there still. Um, and I don't think they have an awful lot of depth there. Um, but I, I, I do think that, that, they'll, that, that they'll dig their own grave at some point in the season playing. Playing that sort of the, the, the tight, compact football that, that Van Gaal is trying to, trying to introduce there because... You know, you, you play that for a half and you start so slowly. Uh, I mean, they won't get to play teams like Sunderland every every time. If, if teams go at them away from home and they come at them with pace, um, you, you can see them getting themselves stuck in a rut. And if Martial's not um, not firing at all cylinders up front and and, uh, and boosting their morale, then then you can see them. Um, yeah, you can see them just like spiraling into a into a bit of a bit of a bit of a negative run of form quite easily. I think, um, I mean, obviously Rooney's got his goal, so he's probably going to go on and score in the next 10 games or whatever, as he normally does. But it, it was just, it struck me in the, the game we played against them, just how poor in terms of they didn't have any pace. They're yeah. quite an easy team to, to play against when you, you, you like they're not dragging you out. We stayed very compact and were just disciplined against them and they couldn't break with down. And we're hardly one of the, the best defensive teams in the league. Um, I think that Matt is a brilliant player, but he relies on pace around him. Yeah. And I think that's why Marshall coming in has been ideal for him. But the games before that, where it was just him and Rooney and Depay, um, they really struggled because Depay's not really hit the ground running yet. Rooney was in a bit of sort of bad forming. I think I just think they've got too many players. They've got no real pace. The only pace they've got on that team really is... The the pay is reasonably quick, but Marshall and, and Luke Shaw's got a bit of an engine on him. He's obviously out for a while now. Yeah. It's just it's just a very slow team. And you think that's I think they have to keep it compact because they they cannot they cannot be getting dragged all over the pitch because they, they just don't have the pace to, to cover the ground. I mean, you look at that midfield you just said there, Schweinsteiger and Carrick, both the wrong side of thirty, they're not gonna be sort of sprinting around for ninety minutes covering the ground. Um I mean, I, I agree. I think they've, they've, they've tightened things up, and I've, obviously, you've, you've seen the improvement in Smalling, um, who's growing sort of in, into that role, as you said, uh, Mike. Um, and that's probably a good thing for England as well that we're sort of developing a, a, a defender that's at least competent uh, to go next to Cahill. Um, but it, I think it's just that they're going to come and stuck eventually because, as you say, they, I just don't think they've got enough firepower relying on a 19 year old in his first season. Um, coming into the Premier League he's going to sort of have a, a lean patch and when he does I don't see where they're going to get other goals from 
Yeah. What I, I hope, what I hope next week, just on the back of that, just that, that Arsenal actually don't fall into the trap of like we've seen him do so many times and just try and play intricately through the middle. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what Man U are built for to stop. Side to side, getting it wide, putting them out of position. That's where you're going to get chance against Man United, not playing straight down the middle of like, like they did against West Ham and, and like they've done um, in the past. I really have to ask them to wake up to that. And uh, if they do that, I, I can see them getting a few goals. Definitely. Moving on. Um, Spurs, Mike, and we want to talk about them. Yeah, um, well, obviously it's a, it's, a, it's a cracking win at the weekend for Spurs, obviously. Yeah. Two of the goals, the definition of offside, but uh, we'll, we'll forget about that. Mm-hmm. And, like, Spurs deserved the win, but I think looking at the wider picture um, was something that interested me, really, and, and the way that Daniel Levy is approaching um, Pochettino as a manager. Um, so, Baldini um, left, um, left Spurs today. Um, he was paid off. Now, he was a man... Uh, as you'll know, responsible for spending all that Gareth Bale money on um, <laughs> the likes of Capu, Lamella, who's only now starting to come good, um, and Soldado. And I think it's a, it's an interesting move from Levy because aside from the past few years, you, you've never felt that, that a manager has his full support and that Spurs have put a, put a coherent plan and, um, that they're going to stick to um, and you know fight through some, some difficult times. But... It seems now with Pochettino getting rid of Baldini um, that, that, they're, that they're putting a lot of faith in him and they're going to stick to his style of play and really give him a chance over a few years to, 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 to make a difference at, at Spurs. Um, I know part of the reason Baldini left, um, uh, Pochettino was allowed to bring in Paul Mitchell, who is his, his uh, head of recruitment analysis at, at Southampton. Um, so... That's clearly the writing on the wall for, for, for Baldini back at the time. And it, interestingly enough, um, they only kept him on. Apparently, they uh, they agreed um, a, a severance package with Baldini in August, but they kept him on to get rid of a lot of the players that he signed with the bail money, which yeah. is a, a bit of a, a, a two fingers up. But I, I think it is an interesting sign now that, that Pochettino <laughs> has been allowed to to get rid of a lot of the dead wood, which I think is more important than getting players in necessarily at the moment for Spurs and and now he has a squad that is looking more like capable and willing to play that that style of high pressing football that he plays, and and it seems like to, for the first time in quite a few years that the Spurs board are, uh, are behind him and and, and, are, and are willing to commit for a few years to coherent plan, whereas before um, you, you, you'd always be looking over your shoulder as a manager. Um, so uh, I think aside from the the one off um, performance against Man City, it's a it, an interesting puzzle changing of the tide at Spurs um, and, and, and it could be a could be a positive for them um, going forward totally agree I said this in my three up three down column today on True Faith on the website that it just seems like the Spurs board have finally accepted that the, the top four is isn't as locked down as a lot of people make out you know you've had Man United and Liverpool both dropping out in recent years um and that the only way to properly challenge them on a consistent basis, because yes, yeah, Spurs got into the top four twice actually. Uh, they didn't make the Champions League once because because of Chelsea's win. But it was you know it was almost a kind of we're in the top four. The next season, its aim is to be in the top four, and I kind of get the feeling now the aim is to make the top four, wait, build a side, and then once you're in the top four, you can kick on from there. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, it was, we've got to make the top four, we've got to make the top four. Now they've got the new stadium coming, it's all sorted, it's it's being built. There just seems to be a little long, a bit of long-term planning there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's nice to see for a change. 
No, I completely agree. I think, I mean, as you say as well, that I think one of the things you could always um, criticise Tottenham for was that obviously the money spent, but the characters of the players coming in, the likes of Lamella and people like that, that just didn't get the, the sort of the type of, they didn't appear to have the work ethic that is needed to succeed at the Premier League. And I think there's a few players that have, have fallen sort of foul of that. I mean, we've we've had that problem. At, we talked on Friday on the um, the radio show about how there's a real lack of character in our in our squad. Um, the two players that came in, Mitrovic and Perez, have got a bu- like loads of it. There's an abundance of character in them too. They, they they fronted up on Saturday and it made a massive difference. And I think it's just you can see in in Spurs. Um, obviously, they appear to be building a side around Harry Kane, um, who's obviously a homegrown lad. He's one one of the better players, um, and and I just think there's been a, a change in the shift where Baldini was obviously all about recruitment, bringing in the the big sort of high price players, but they've they've realised that that's not really worked for them. And I think the the best thing they can do really is they've sort of build the players that they've invested in. I mean, Chadley, um, I didn't particularly rate when he first came in, but he's he's been improving season by season. I think he looks like quite a decent player now. He's he's got a quite a big strong big build about him um, and he seems to sort of play play well um, I think Ericsson's a, a clever little player when you can get him on the ball and this Deli Alley that they've, they've signed uh, to come in I think has looked um, quite solid they've obviously they've, they've, apparently we were in for him um, but he, he chose to go there they've, they've pipped him and he, he looks like a really sort of good good uh, prospect for the future um, and I think it's probably the right way to go I mean the <laughs> it cracks us up every time I hear about them saying they're investing in youth. That youth is uh, Joe Mason, who's what twenty six or twenty seven or something. Ryan, Ryan Mason. Ryan Mason. Sorry, um, but it's <laughs> it's it just goes to that sort of. You, people always talk about how you have to spend big in in um, sort of to, you've got to spend big to to get at the top four. But actually, you, you just got to build a team that is consistent, um, and it, it weren't always. Not, not everybody's always gonna. I'd be able to sort of plough the funds in, but I think if you can get a good crop of youngsters, which they appear to have at the minute, you can go a long way in a couple of years if you build a team around them sensibly. Well, talking of those characters and youngsters, Ben, just a, just a quick tip of the hat. I think it would be remiss of us not to uh, not to give a tip of the hat to Tactics Tim Sherwood for <laughs> being solely responsible for bringing in all of those players through and their future success in uh, throughout the rest of their career. <laughs> Definitely. I want to quickly say, Man City, the wheels have fallen off pretty spectacularly in the past three games. Yeah, with uh, Juventus, uh, West Ham, and now Spurs. The key: David Silva has been injured. David Silva is more important to Man City than Vincent Kompany, Joel Hart. Uh, Joe. Joe. I said Joe. Joel Hart. Joe Hart. <laughs> uh, the Arya Turo Sergi Wero, he is Man City. He's the he's the best player in the league, in my opinion. Uh, and while he's continually out, I think Man City will struggle. Do you want another good news? He's supposed to be back for Newcastle. So oh, standard. Yeah, we'll leave it there. That, that didn't scare well last time though. He he played against. Well, he played for like ten minutes. Ten minutes, and we did the two 0 I. And then when, when then when they did his five 0 he, <laughs> yeah. he ran riot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so right though we'll be playing four four two. I was going to say somehow he didn't he didn't let Vernon and Nita phase him playing in the four two three one in the drunk cover. Thanks very much, Ben and Mike. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. And we will be back Friday with the radio show. As we said, if you want to ring in on the phone, I'll give you my number. We'll have a chat about the football. Uh, Cracking weekend of Premier League action Sunday. 
It's the old, yeah, the fixture list is definitely random with uh, <laughs> Liverpool at Everton at one thirty and Arsenal at Man United. Um, that'll be a cracking day of footy, providing Newcastle haven't been humped the day before, which is a strong possibility. <laughs> but you never know with these things. As I said at the start of the show, we'll have a special podcast this week. Me, Mick Martin, and uh, Anthony Higgins, Tony Higgins, True Faith Stalwart. Um, his book's out now, Kindle Edition, uh, Homage to Mercia, A Season of Football Anarchy. We'll be talking through that. Uh, also, me and Mike, we plan a, we're planning a special podcast this week, Mike, aren't we? To discuss the uh, downfall of Premier League clubs in Europe, why it's happening, is it important, and is and are things going to change? So we'll try and knock that out for you this week as well. Uh, Ben's not invited. Lack of football knowledge. Uh, <laughs> just, just joking. Um, so if, if you want us to discuss anything on that podcast, tweet us in. We'll, we'll have a quick chat about that. We'll probably hopefully get that out to you by the end of the week. Um, and we will be back obviously next Monday with the uh, the podcast discussing Newcastle's uh, unlikely victory at Manchester City. Uh, that's it from me. Cheers, lads. Cheers. See ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.